everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Here we are recording on the evening of May 31st, the last night of May and the 487th day of coronavirus. So we don't have a lot of sports on TV, but we do have some things to talk about tonight. As always, I have my friends Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern with me. Men, good evening. How are you doing? Peachy. Doing great. Doing great. Hope you all are surviving down there in Fort Worth. Um, coronavirus, we're, we're letting up a little bit. People are going back out. I'm letting the, everybody else go first and be the guinea pigs. But I think you guys are in a little better shape than we are, and you guys have been able to get out a little earlier than us. You've uh, you gone out to eat and been able to see some people you hadn't seen in a while? Daniel, you want to go? Have you have you been out? Um, honestly, yeah. My if, if I go into Fort Worth – uh, for those who may not know, I'm in Alito, but if I go to Fort Worth to do something, they need some places, you know, they have the distancing and masks and all that. But if I go back towards Weatherford, nobody gives a crap. So <laughs> Our county, baby. Yeah, it, it's pr- we had two or three weeks. It was kind of scary because no one knew anything, but nobody cares anymore. I went to Academy the other day <laughs> in Weatherford and then no one had a mask. Oh, that's great. I've been to uh, two restaurants, um, both of both of them uh, Mexican food restaurants because I was craving some good Mexican food. And same thing, Daniel. No one's really wearing masks. I mean, we're adhering to the uh, six-person limit at a table, and they've got you know the six feet difference. But I've had some friends. Uh, they just went down to Port Aransas last weekend and they took pictures. There had to be like 20 people sitting at one table. So it, it, it's kind of funny how there is some normalcy returning uh, with, with things opening back up 25%, 50%, whatever it is, but it's crazy. It's, it's somewhat getting back to normal, I guess you could say. <coughs> Sorry. I haven't been able to shake this off. Hey, before you go, Jeff, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, man, I want to say that was really a really great thing your church did, man. Uh, giving out giving out those meals to five hundred people that that's incredible. Um, I did notice your TCU hat that that was also incredible. But you carried yourself well, um, very well spoken. Everyone that listens to you on here knows how well spoken you are and uh, how fluid you are in, in, in conversating with everyone. But man, that was a great thing that you guys did up there. Uh, for your church and for your community, man. So I applaud you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, we're, we're locked down a little tighter. We obviously have a whole lot more cases than you do in Parker County in the middle of Memphis. And uh, we had 500 uh, meals. We gave away meals to 500 families on Saturday with partnership with the Mid-South Food Bank. And there's a lady at our church that's up the ladder at Mid-South Food Bank and we're what they call a mobile food pantry. So there's these guys, man. They know how to run a run an event. They had 11 rows of cars lined up, and they were moving them through. Whoever our, our three deacons at our church should be running how to get out of uh, cowboys or get out of uh, the Jerry World because they were moving folks through, putting produce in the back of their trunks, getting their meat and their veggies and all that stuff. It was it was really really cool, and it was just an honor to help be a part of that. Like like most pastors. I didn't have much to do with it, but they did interview me for TV and I got to hand out all the praise because it was a lot of good volunteers that made that happen. So it was pretty cool. Can you ask, can you ask your, uh, ask your pastors if they used to be Chick-fil-A employees? 
<laughs> you can't. You can ask. Uh, you can ask me. I was not, but uh, none of those guys that were at our church were uh, former Chick Fil A. I mean, that's the only logical explanation for it to go so smoothly and, and guys be able to handle that many people. I know they can move people through just like that, just like that. Jerry needs to get some people that are waving people out, waving cars out, saying "My pleasure, my pleasure." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we can bring a little levity in the midst of some difficult times this week in our country, as well as the ongoing coronavirus situation. Obviously, I know it's a, it's a lot worse in some places. Other folks are um, obviously um, have adjusted a lot quicker because um, cases are a whole lot lower. But we're going to talk about some TCU Horn Frog football and Big 12 football today. Um, I, I did see a tweet that said, I wish I was sitting at Lumpton, Lumpton Stadium today watching a three seed and a four seed burn their bullpen for a right to lose to the Horn Frogs in the second game. Um, just if you want to know what could be going on right now. Oh. No baseball. Oh, I know, man. I bought ESPN Plus for the sole purpose of baseball. Now we don't have it. Uh, but anyway, let's talk some football. 2020 signee uh, Dominic Richardson out of Bishop McGinnis up there in Oklahoma City. Frogs had said he was going to be their only running back taken in this class. He had a lot of interest from the University of Texas, but he stuck with his commitment. Jeremy, clearly some things have changed. He has been released from his national and letter of intent by TCU. He is looking around, maybe Oklahoma State, maybe some other programs in the Big 12. There's a lot going on here, and there's a lot of projection that's going on here, particularly on Oklahoma City Sports Radio, where they have literally nothing to talk about. What's going on with this situation? Uh, tell us a little bit of the backstory, and tell tell Frog fans why we should not be surprised that this took place and how it had not much to do with Zach Evans signing. Yeah, and this was – I know a lot of people always ask me, it, it's always the question, who's going to qualify, who's not, and I've gotten to the point now where I really don't like talking about the guys are, that are going to make it in or not if I know there's a chance that they have uh, to make it in um, because I don't want to look like a fool and say he's not he's not going to make it in and then he makes it in or I'm going to say he's going to make it in and then he doesn't. So I try to I try to stay a little bit away from those conversations with some of these guys, but I started to hear really about uh, Dominic's academic questions back in really it might have even been November December because there was a point not only when they had Looper leaving for Missouri there was still a question then if he was going to sign his NLI then not because just because Looper was leaving but also if they were going to take him at that point because there were still a lot of questions if he was going to qualify so Basically, they let him sign. He, you know, Sonny Comby went up there, did a great job keeping him committed. So that it's not like they didn't want him. Uh, they they wanted him. Okay. Come January, when they're looking more into the academic side of things, they're really finding out this kid is going to have a hard time getting in. But he's still trying. It wasn't for the lack of him trying. The, the kid is a great kid. That's all I heard about. Uh, when I was asking them about the situation, he's just, and, and I've interacted with, with him before too. And he's a great kid. He's a good kid. Uh, what I've posted on the board, I know that, uh, there was an instance where they're not releasing his transcript. Uh, and, and that's come from various people, uh, from TCU and why are they not releasing the transcript? I'm not going to get into those specifics, but if you look back at the timeline, Jeff, 
and we all we all know because Dominic was on record saying they they said they were I was the only back they were going to recruit, which meant a lot. But if you look at the timeline, they started to look. I, I did a story about guys that TCU could be looking at, and back in December, I mentioned Kendra Miller. Back in December, okay, this was this was before. Uh, it might have been after the early signing period. But if you go, you could go to his profile right now, click on it, and you'll see a story that I did with him being mentioned in December. And so once the academics became more and more concerned and they they knew it was going to be a challenge, they went ahead and started to recruit Kendra a little bit harder. They ended up offering him and they ended up getting him. So basically the 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 point of Hey, we're only taking one running back this class. It's out the window. They've got they've got Kendra now, and they got Kendra because number one, he's a great player. But number two, I don't want to really say it was a insurance policy or anything like that, but it's it gave them insurance just in case Richardson didn't qualify. So if you go back and look at that, you, you've got to understand the questions were even arising back then. I mentioned on the board, and I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face. People are going to have their opinions. The day and age we live in, once people get their opinions set, you're not going to change it. No matter what, you're not going to change it. Whatever the radio guys were saying in Oklahoma, I don't know, but I know for a fact the timing of the situation, it does It does look like they took Zach Evans and I'm not going to stay there anymore. I don't want to go to TCU anymore. Okay, so it's – it's one of those deals where I can understand where people are coming from that they think he only decommitted because that wasn't the case. That was not the case at all. The case was he was still trying to get his qualification. No, they didn't have to have the SAT or ACT, but he still had some other things that he had to be able to do to get qualified to get into TCU. So, when Zach Evans comes into their lap, he's already graduated high school. He's already got all the academics taken care of, and he's showing them interest. Oh, by the way, he's considered the number one back in the country. You're you're going to listen, and you're going to you're going to try to recruit that kid. And ultimately, they end up getting him. And it was a mutual parting between Dominique TCU telling him, "Listen, don't think you're going to be able to get in, but." we'll release you from your NLI so you can go and try to get into other schools or other schools can recruit you. And Dominic was probably looking at it from the perspective that, well, they took Miller and now I've got to compete with the top running back in the country. I, I probably should go somewhere else. So that's kind of how it all broke down. You can believe me. You cannot believe me. I've only been covering the team 15 years. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the things where you, you can think your own opinion and I'll have, I'll have my facts. So there's the facts. You can have your opinion and those are the facts. That's good to hear. You know, it's interesting. There is a lot of uh, spin coming out of this on Sports Talk Radio in Oklahoma City. Um, that You know, the, the TCU pulled his offer. I mean, you can't pull your offer after the kid signs. Um, it's ridiculous how that stuff kind of shakes out. All I know is I have consistently heard from sources I trust, not only you, that there's there's some shady things north of the Red River from that um, that institution. I'll just put it that way, yeah. and I, I don't mean a college. I mean his high school. So <laughs> uh, the the funny thing is is that the the people are going to keep forming their opinions no matter what. It it's 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 never going to change. And 
like I told you guys, you can believe what you want to believe. And this, the, the timeline that I just talked about, the articles are out there. You can see it. And, and I said on the board, I, I, I said it, I can't remember what thread it was in, but you can, you can tell a kid a certain thing when you're recruiting them. Dominique, you're our only running back we're going to take. Now, he may be saying that on record. I like TCU because they told me this. But there's also a lot of things that go into it. There's some there's some concessions that you have to meet in order for that to happen. If you're going to go out there, uh, not not just talking about Dominique, I'm talking about any recruit. Hey, Mr. Five-Star Defensive End, we're only going to take you. But if you're out there doing knucklehead things, we can't only take you. We've we've got to have some insurance. We've we've got to cover ourselves as well. And that's what this situation was. It's TCU covering themselves, and it just happened to be the luckiest thing in the world for Zach Evans to fall into their lap like like he did. So uh, it, it's it's best for it's best for everyone. It, it's funny because a few people I talked to said, "Watch, he's going to go somewhere, and he'll probably have a three hundred yard game against TCU." And that's that's just the way it is. It, if, if they had every you know, wish they could have, they would want him to be part of the program because he is, he is a good kid. Um, but there's certain things that just weren't met for him to make that happen. It just didn't work out. Well, and, I don't know, and I don't know, like people ask me all the time, like if he doesn't get in TCU, he shouldn't get into Oklahoma. I, I don't know. I don't know what standards Oklahoma state has. I, I know for one fact that, Jarrell Owens wasn't going to get into TCU, and the next thing I know, he's at Oklahoma State. I had people in East Texas telling me there's no way he's getting into TCU. It wasn't just a TCU thing. I had people in Palestine telling me the same thing. There's no way this kid's going to qualify to get in TCU, and next thing you know, he's at Oklahoma State. So I, when people say, well, if he can't get in TCU, he can't get anywhere else, unless you work for that school or you know beyond a shadow of the doubt what their academic standards are, what you have to do to get in, then you really can't comment on it. And, and that's what I, my thinking is. I'm not going to comment on something. I'm not going to say there's no way he's going to get into another school because he get, couldn't get into TCU. I just know, based on the program that I cover, he wasn't going to get in. One of the things we know is that, you know, there's just the basic NCAA standards to get accepted, but then there's some variance between schools. Um, I know that Texas has a little higher foreign language requirements in high school, even for athletes, um, than, than Oklahoma does. Because I know there was a – I just re- – I can't remember his name. There was a D lineman a couple years ago that signed with uh, Texas but then wasn't going to be able to get in because he wasn't able to meet the foreign language requirements. And then Oklahoma's like, hey, come on up. And they released him, and he went to Oklahoma. So, you know, there might be something like that. that you, know, your, you know, your requirement to get into Oklahoma State – is that you know your multiplication tables. But at TCU, you had to take Algebra 2. So there, there might be some variance there. Um, I, don't, I, I know TCU does everything they can to get kids in, but the rules are kind of the rules. So that might be what's at, what's at play here. So we'll all find out. And ho- he won't run for – I guarantee Zach Evans will run for more yards against uh, Oklahoma State than Richardson does against TCU if he ends up in Stillwater. So that's my hunch. Well, the good news is we are talking about the high likelihood that we are going to have football this fall. Um, The Big 12, as well as TCU, has announced that student-athletes are going to be able to return back to campus here in the middle of June. 
Jeremy, this was kind of a breaking story, not only for the Big 12 to kind of sign on to that together, but for TCU to say, hey, come on back. The water's fine. What are you hearing about the timeline for both player return as well as what they're going to do, but um, what they're going to do between, say, June 15th and August 1st when when camp starts up? Because they've got to give them more than one month to prep when so much of spring ball went down the toilet. Yeah. Uh, the people I've spoken with, I know there's a few kids that are already on campus. Um, not a whole lot. I think it's less than 10. Uh, I don't know all their names off the top of my head, uh, which ones they are. Uh, majority of them have kind of uh, stayed by TCU basically because they were rehabbing through spring camp anyway. So they had to stay kind of close and be able to rehab and do all that good stuff. But the plan for right now is to – Start bringing in players June 8th, but they're going to do it in waves from what I'm told is they'll bring in a certain amount of players June 8th, another set of players June 9th, another set of players June 10th, and kind of get them all in there in stages instead of just bringing them all back at one time. Um, and, and everything's so fluid right now. That's what I was uh, told on what's today, Sunday. Uh, that's what I was told on Friday. So, Things things could change, but that's the plan for now. As far as like what they're going to be doing, working out wise, I mean, obviously they're going to be getting with Donnie Summer, and he's going <laughs> to you're going to find out which kids have been working out over the over the time they've been away from campus, and which ones haven't been working out. So it, they're going to go through that. I think you got at least a three or four week period where you've got to get them acclimated back to being in shape and and coach Patterson's always talked about how long it takes to get those players ready just in an off season to get them ready for a fall camp. So I think it's a great thing that they're going to be back June 15th. That's kind of the timeline that I always was, was mentioning and uh, talking with him too, is that if you get your kids back on campus by June and you start your fall camp schedule, your, your uh, fall practice schedule, August 1st, sometime around there, it gives you, really a solid six solid weeks of preparation for them to get ready for that. So that's, that's about the timeline. Typically you'd want eight to nine weeks, but six weeks is going to have to do for now, but it's your typical off season program, Jeff, a lot of running, a lot of running, lifting. They may do some seven on seven stuff. I don't know of all the measures they're going to do yet. We haven't really talked to him about that. Uh, And it's funny because you, you really haven't seen a lot of coaches come out and say, every measure they're going to take to make sure they stay safe. I think uh, for the most part, they're, they're going to take the temperatures of the players. They're going to make sure they're not feeling ill. Uh, I believe the coaches are getting back tomorrow. They, they've already been going to work on a three day schedule each week. They, they, they go in for three days, but it'll be interesting. Uh, it's going to be a lot different than it has been in the past simply because their co- the coach is going to be able to focus all their time really on on the program getting condition going because typically they're focusing on camp season this time of year. I mean, five thirty one this time May thirty first last last year they're holding their first two camps, so now they're getting to focus all the time on football and off season and see how it goes from there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how their summer training program kind of unfolds. Like you said, you're going to find out real quick the kids that have been training and the the kids that have not. You know, we talked about um, this is some um, restoration of sanity in the hopes that we'll have some kind of college football. We're seeing signs that we're moving that way. 
One of the things that came out um, from multiple programs, including from TCU uh, Athletic Director Jeremiah Donati, talked about how we will uh, likely have to begin with uh, limited seating or, you know, a percentage of, of, of fans that are in the stands. Um, what, what have you heard on that in terms of what the precise numbers are? And I've got some thoughts when you're done about where that's going to end up sticking. Where the numbers are going to be? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, with TCU, I know they're probably going <laughs> to, they're not, they're going to want to try to please everyone, but it's not going to happen. Just my personal opinion. I, I feel like they'll, they'll be half capacity and, and unless we get word from higher officials in the government or whatever, that we can open things now to a hundred percent capacity. But I think TCU and other programs, they, they look at the liability concerns and everything else. And someone made a, a point on the board that was a great, great uh, uh, post that said you you may have a situation where you have to sign a waiver and you know, you know, you're going into a situation where you could potentially catch COVID-19, but you're willing to take that risk. And so by signing that waiver, you're, you're holding uh, TCU They're They're not liable for anything. So I, I thought that was a pretty good idea, but I don't know, man, it's, to be, to be quite honest, I've been more focused on just seeing if there's going to be a season or not instead of worrying about how many fans are going to be impacted per game. I have two uh, flaming hot takes. Are you ready? It's all going to be club seating. And- um, it's, it's all going to be club. Now, my first is, well, it, in a sense, it, it, you're true. That's true. All right, let me start with, this, with the, the second one, like what you were saying. If you're not given big dollars – you're not going to get in, and that's okay. <laughs> you should have you should have students and the people that pay the bills. Now, if you're like, man, I've been a TCU season ticket holder forever. I give my five dollars to the Frog Club, and they don't care about the working man. You know what? It's it's just kind of revealed that, that they don't, <laughs> or, or that you're not as big a priority because they got to pay the bills right now. And we, it's, it's okay for that to be true. You can be a huge TCU fan. You can support the team. You can be kind of a season ticket holder and all that stuff. But the people that pay the bills and make those things happen, they're going to get in before uh, the middle class folks like us are. And that's all right. But all that being said, I think by October they're going to have 100% capacity. Or if Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State come out and say, we're opening with everyone, TCU is going to open with everyone. They're not going to be oh, yeah. standing there by themselves. And, you know, we, we talked about this on the board. It's only, you know, tomorrow, when you're listening to this, it'll be June probably. It's only June. We don't know what things are going to look like in June, in July. Um, we, you know, we don't, we don't know what the situation is going to be. And they're going to do everything they can to get as many people in there because every seat that's empty is money they're not getting. So Right. Well, it's, it's funny because there's, it's a follow the leader for everyone. And it was kind of funny to see Iowa state come out and say that they, they were planning on half capacity this year when we all know there's, there's still a chance they can go full capacity, but it's the, the sec is probably going to be the first conference that will say something about letting stadiums go to hundred percent capacity. And then you'll get the big 12 and then other conferences will follow. But it's, uh, for TCU, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> what are you going to say? If we're at 50% capacity, it's going to be 12,000 fans? Is that what you were going to say? 
<laughs> I'm just saying in those early September games against Southern or Prairie View A&M, it's probably going to look like it's they're only letting it fill up to 25% capacity anyway. It's That's not, right, man. It's not really uh, – you know, kids got soccer games, dadgummit. If we can get an FCS team for 11 o'clock kickoff and it's 103 at noon, that's going to be awesome. It, you're not going to be able to tell the difference. <laughs> We're going to get all kinds of hate mail now. I already know, I already know the people lining up to post something. Yep. We're, but we're playing Bama. We're playing Bama. That's all I got. Oh, uh, I, I, you know, a few weeks ago, if you had asked me what my thoughts were on TCU playing Bama, I would have said they were pretty good. But in the last week, I've changed my mind. I think California is really going to do everything in their power to play that game. And there's also, unless the, unless the game, just, you just money whip the heck out of TCU, which you could, $5 million is what's been talked about. You also could get a home game. If Cal doesn't play that game, You there's also other teams out there that have an open schedule right now. BYU, Colorado State, Utah State, teams like that. So it's not a guarantee that Bama would be on the schedule, but I've had some I've had some people tell me recently that I think Cal's going to do everything in their power to make sure that game happens. Okay, well, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean that it's a great venue. I mean, I've, I've, if you've never been, I've never been there, but the stadium looks beautiful. I hear it's got a great view of the of the bay and the bridge. So it'd be great for for the frogs to be able to go out there as long as it, as long as there's it's it's safer. I mean, we obviously know. Northern California is a huge area, you know, a huge outbreak area, but yeah. well, hopefully it'll come together. That'd be great. I mean, even if you have to change the game, the the home and home, I mean, it can, you know, we don't have the mandated 14 day quarantine in Texas anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah, at least I, at least I don't think, do we have that Daniel? We didn't Abbott get rid of that. Wake up, Daniel. I'm here. I, I'm not sure, but that's probably true. At this point, but as far as going out to uh, Cal and you're having to play a a pretty dang good team, let's not. Yeah. Cal's going to be a good team this year. Um, anyone that thinks that game's going to be a walkover win for TCU and it should be an easy one to no start, you better you better go watch some film on Cal because they're they're going to be good. Um, and if TCU goes out there and wins by double digits, then TCU is going to be pretty dang good because I, I respect the heck out of Cal. They got like 18 guys coming back. But the good thing is if you go out there and they still have all these restrictions and you go play at Cal and they're playing in front of 25% capacity and you only have to play in front of a crowd of maybe 15,000, heck yeah, TCU would do that all day long. Gary Patterson would do that all day long. He would love that. I know for a fact he would love that. Well, if they can get a win against Cal, that would be good because, you know, they're going to go to a bowl. It's a Pac-12 team. Anything you can do to get a Power 5 win is a good win. And, man, I'd love to play Alabama just to say we played Alabama, but let's be honest. Go look at that offensive line and tell me if you want to go play Alabama. (laughs) Well, and and just don't look at their offensive line. Look at TCU's offensive line and – would you risk the chance? Well, that's, of- what, that's what I mean. I don't want. Yeah. I don't look at, look at our offensive line and ask yourself if you really want to open the season against Alabama. Yeah. Do you want to? You want to potentially have the chance to lose your starting quarterback the first game of the year because he's getting mauled to death. 
No, I do not. I do not. I have no desire for that in any way. In no way. So because you guys probably read my uh, my my uh, quarterback depth story. Yeah. Calling my shot, uh, my depth chart. I'm, I'm telling you, that is how that's gonna that that is how the depth chart's gonna be when they go out to Cal. Bet my mortgage on it that that will be the that will be the depth chart. One through Downing, four. Downing, not Baldwin. All right. Downing's going to be number two. Downing's going to be number two. One hundred percent guarantee. Write it down. Write it down. Take it on the ticket. That sounds good. Well, I'm going to keep a promise that we made because so I can win a bet. Daniel said we couldn't do this show in a half hour. We were going to stick to two topics. We're going to do it. We will be back here pretty soon. We've got more football that we'll be talking about when players start to make their way onto campus in, um, in a higher volume. We will get back together and talk about that because there will be tea leaves to read. And so we uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, go on iTunes, give us a rating and review. We'd love for you to let everybody know about uh, your passion for the Frogcast. Subscribe, give us a rating. It's an easy way to let more Frog fans know that this is the number one source of news for TCU football. So until we get together again, for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast, proud members of TCU 24-7 Sports.